Hello and welcome to episode 208 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. Day 2 at Royal Ascot sees the Group 1 Prince of Wales Stakes and the ultra-competitive Royal Hunt Cup feature at Royal Ascot again this year. Today we'll hear from trainer Alice Haynes. She joins us to talk about her unbeaten two-year-old Maximum Impact who runs in the five furlong Windsor Castle Stakes at 10 past 6, the finale on Wednesday's card. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews all of Wednesday's action from Royal Ascot with the touch Jamie Hart joining us once again to talk about those unique whirlpool betting opportunities. Day two at Royal Ascot is on the Wednesday and after the excitement, hopefully on day one, we can look forward to the races now with Bill. And Bill, we should mention as we have done before, we record this podcast on Monday afternoon. So we haven't seen day one's racing yet. We don't know what the ground is going to be like on Wednesday, but they are expecting rain. And uh, we had a little bit here a good few miles away, but not as much as they thought we were going to get, whereas Nottingham had a whole host of rain on Sunday. So it's hit and miss, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the volume of these kind of thundery showers and, and where it ends up hitting. So like you say, not, Nottingham got drenched, but Ascot, I think they had under two mils on Sunday into Monday. So they ended up watering today, Monday, five mils. And that's the end of their watering. And they're letting nature take its chance into Tuesday so we could wake up in the rain on Tuesday morning. Mm. And I suppose the question is what volume Ascot get? It doesn't look like masses and they probably put five to eight mils on if it didn't arrive anyway. So it's 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 quick ground. I think we've got to work on the basis of quick ground, but with one eye on the skies. It would have to be a deluge to really change it on the day though, wouldn't it? I mean, Ascot, and I'm not going to put too much down, they're going to put enough down, but it'd have to be a real big thunderstorm to change things very quickly. Yeah, well, we've seen that happen there before, though. To be, there was that Friday yeah. a few years back where they had the old 60 mils. Um, so it can happen. Uh, the forecast suggests it's not going to happen, but it's, uh, it's, it's a never-say-never never in this game. But keep an eye on it, but I'm working on the basis of fast ground. OK, we'll hear from Jamie Hart from the Tote later on regarding the, the Whirlpool situation. These a uh, few tips and selections and, and some stats on some of the horses and jockeys to follow. And, and just to remind our listeners that Whirlpool there for all of the Royal Ascot meeting this year and on the Wednesday gives the opportunity for the Quinellas and the Swingers, the Trifectors, those bets where you can pick the first two or maybe two out of the first three and, and still get a winning bet. Yeah, I mean, the the Whirlpool offers so much variety for punters now and you, you're going to see some whopping returns over the over the five days of the meeting and that's that's the the beauty of it so like i said on yesterday's pod just just keep an eye if you're going to back an outsider and you're on track or you're going to bet with a tote have a, have a few quid on the whirlpool too because you know if you back a big price winner 16 14 20 um and then you look at the the dividend and see it's paid 25 28 30 you're going to be irritated to say the least so it's just it's just worth um keeping it in your punting armory a bit later on on the podcast, we'll hear from Alice Haynes, who I caught up with uh, over the weekend, talking about a runner she's got in the final race, the 6.10 on Wednesday. So we'll hear from Alice a bit later on. Let's have a look at the first of the action. And 2.30, of course, is when it all gets going on the Wednesday. Five furlong Queen Mary stakes. 
It's a group two for the Phillies. There's going to be 28 of them if they all go to post for this one. And the likes of beautiful diamond for Carl Burke, who has some great two-year-olds. She won her only race. Will Buick rides born to rock for James Chapel Hyam. I've got to love a grey, another Carl Burke horse. The Americans are coming over. Wesley Ward has got Bunchen, who's got blinkers on. Only beaten by a nose. That was over four and a half at Keeneland. That's the kind of trip he likes to bring him over with. But uh, this looks really, really tough. Yeah, always is a tough race to, to get a lid on because you've got lightly raced fillies that, you know, there could be a superstar amongst them. It's just finding out which one it is at this point. His favourite beautiful diamond looks the the most obvious expensive purchase got the job done really well first time up for Carl Burke he's got a whole host of really good two-year-olds um this is a horse that cost 360 grand at the sales and she looks really smart so she's around five to one she's the safest kind of option here I think she'll be right bang there um we haven't even mentioned the dreaded draw so we don't know whether being drawn near the stand side is where you want to be. I'm not even going to guess at this point. <laughs> but she's, of the of the market leaders, she's the one that kind of ticks all the boxes for me. Th- th- there's similar types towards the top. Born to Rock, Jane Chappell-Hyams, Philly, once race, won really nicely. Midnight Affair, who we tipped up in one last time, had a couple of runs, but she's getting better. They're all kind of much of a muchness. Um but I think Beautiful Diamond is the one I want to be with at the top of the market at around fives and at a much bigger price. Um, <laughs> you could go for anything, really. But I thought the um, balding horse, Flora of Bermuda, uh, James Doyle rides for Andrew Balding, around 33 to 1 chance, was really painfully unlucky in that Beverly race behind um, Midnight Affair and is 33 to 1 each way, five places with Coral. Um, I thought she could take a step forward and could easily hit the frame. So I'll go Flora of Bermuda, um, and I'll probably put her in a, um, you know, kind of a, a Quinella with some of the top ones like Beautiful Diamond, and um, maybe even throw Born to Rock in there. So that, that's how I play the opener. When you tipped up Midnight Affair for the Hillary Needler at Beverly recently, you said it's, you know it's a good thing alert coming up here in the tricky race. She did win the race in the end, but um, were you impressed with that? Is that Royal Ascot kind of form winning the way she did? Yeah, I thought she was. I, I thought she do it a bit easier than she did, if truth be told. Um, but it's never easy coming down the outside, and you know, it's a, a, a filly on her second start at Beverly, which isn't the easiest of of tracks. But she's good. She's smart. But she's it's just a price thing. She's kind of nine, ten to one. And the horse she only just touched off, uh, Flora Bermuda, is 33 to 1. It's just a, a value thing. So I'd probably prefer Flora of Bermuda at the prices. Yeah, definitely. The way uh, the second finished looked a tad unlucky in that race. Okay, 3.05 then. We're on the uh, round mile course. Kensington Palace Phillies handicap. So the girls in charge again here. Maximum field going to post. Should be 20 runners. Tamarama for Rafe Beckett and Frankie Dottori was a winner at Kempton in a Phillies handicap over a mile in early June. Crystal Caprice is a typical, hopefully improving Sir Michael Stout four-year-old. She's a daughter of Frankel in the Rothschild colours, who hasn't won since September of uh, 22 and winning at Ascot. Lots of others in here as well. The likes of Indian Wish and One Morning and Tarab has got the tong tie on for the first time. If the first one was Tricky. This one's just as difficult, I think. Yeah, you, you didn't. You left out number six. 
you want there. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, you want there exactly. That, I think that, that's the most likely winner. That's why I said that. I think um, really interesting type. If you want to go back and watch a race, watch you want there last time. Um, you won't see a more un- unlucky or checked up passage. Not one of those horses again, is it? That's been stopped several times and you've picked it up and expecting it to run in a clear straight line this time. Right? Yeah, well, it was just that the race was over seven. And I think she wants a mile. She missed the pop, um, couldn't get a clear run and then was eventually eased down. But the attractive thing about this is that it's it's a handicap. So she would definitely be rated higher than 93 or um, 90 in, in Ireland if, if she won that. Um, James McDonald, another eye-catching book, booking for Joseph O'Brien. Um, she's the obvious one. And I also like Tarab, Owen Burroughs' horse, with William Buick rides around 12 to 1 shot, tongue-tie on for the first time. Uh, she was, you know, things didn't really pan out at Chelmsford last time. Um, but she was third to Crystal Caprice here last September and wasn't a bad run at all that but she, she's just she's just a filly I like and I, and I like the return to a mile um, I don't think the ground will be any problems for her she's won on fast ground um, at Ascot before over seven last July I just Tarab is a horse I like so those were the kind of <clears throat> two in this race um, that caught my eye the most I respect Crystal Caprice I Respect Tamarama, but they're going to be well found with Frankie and Ryan Moore uh, at the top of the market. Um, I, I thought I'd play uh, You Want Here in a Quinella with Tarab, and I'd throw Adelaide's in as well. Um, another unlucky horse of Joseph O'Brien's last time around 16s. I'd probably play the three of those in the Quinella, but it's a really tricky race. I can feel a bit of a Joseph O'Brien loving starting to emerge here on this Wednesday's. And preview uh 340 could be another one straight mile this time duke of cambridge stakes group two we're still sticking with the phillies and mares just the 10 of them now be careful with your bets this week because we've got jumby later on in the week for e johnson horton and we've got jumbly for joseph o'brien's got ryan moore on board horse that uh, won at ascot um uh, in july and then moved over to to joseph o'brien and won the group two at the Curra over a mile on the 28th of May. So she's in pretty good form. Prosperous Voyage goes for Rafe Beckett and Frankie Tatori, winner in the uh, Derby Day, the Princess Elizabeth Stakes, a group three at Epsom. She's in good form too. So is Grand Dam for John and Thady Gosden, a couple of places and a win at Sandown. Rogue Millennium for Tom Clover's in this race as well. But uh, are we falling in love with Joseph O'Brien and not to Aiden this year? I'm abandoning Joseph here. For, I think the first day, uh, Joseph O'Brien horse I haven't gone for a week, but no, Jumbly I think is take onable around fifteen to eight, two to one. Um, I like Prosperous Voyage. Uh, I thought she was really good. Uh, look, the weather will play a part here because she'll want it fast, and I presume it will be fast if we wake up on Tuesday morning and we've had thirty mils. It might be a different selection, but Prosperous Voyage with Frankie, for Rafe Beckett, very smart filly. Um, you know, I, I, I won't. Forget in a hurry the fact that she won a very good Group One found mistakes uh, over a mile, a new market last year with Inspiral and Santorini in behind, and she was really good at Epsom last time. Stays a bit further than this, we'll run all the way to the line. I thought she's a rock solid one. So, Prosperous Voyage is the kind of win selection there. Grand Dam will run well. Um, she's she's a, a, a smart filly. 
Um, look, Jumbly's going to be there or thereabouts, but just his, his take on of all the, the bulk of her form is okay. Um, she beat uh, a schooler here um, last July and when she was trained by the Charltons, but that form's fine. It's nothing particularly special. And, um, you know, I think she's she's take honourable. Um, there are a few overpriced in this race. I thought Rogue Millennium was overpriced, but the one I thought was massive price was Random Harvest. Um, Fred Walker and and Safi Osborne. Random Harvest was second to Prosperous Voyage at Epsom last time, um, giving Prosperous Voyage three pounds and got within three quarters of a length. And here we are. They're back off levels. So there's a three pound swing in Random Harvest's favour. And Random Harvest is 33s, and Prosperous Voyage is best price 11 of 4. Just seems like a crazy mismatch. And don't forget that um, Random Harvest has got really good Ascot form. Um, was third to to Tempest here last July, um, and ran a cracker at this meeting when only just touched off by Rising Star in the Kensington Palace on the round course. I just thought that was overpriced so look i'll play prosperous voyage from win purposes and then i'll probably throw random harvest and rogue manilium in for the quinella to see if we can get a jumbo payout and potentially get jumbly out the frame i reckon prosperous voyage may go a favorite on the whirlpool market because she's partly owned by mark chan who's a businessman over in hong kong um and they'll have lots of followers and they will know him and if he gets an interview jamie hart will tell you about this later on if he gets an interview on the tv then Apparently, all the figures just drop immediately and the the prices sink when he says some positives about a horse of his. So we'll see how that develops. Yeah. Could happen. Might not happen. I can't I can't pick a winner, so I'll just p- predict favourites. That's in the latest game in town. <laughs> um, 4.20, it's a mile and a quarter. It's the Group 1 Prince of Wales Stakes, part of the British Champion Series, and, and a small field of six, but a, a, a cracking field. I was watching... The declarations coming up uh, on Monday morning and Adayar was declared by Charlie Appleby and Baybridge was in there for some Michael. Mike Prospero was the first one to be declared by William Haggis. He was the only one at one stage. And then we was looking for Luxembourg and round about four minutes to ten, someone turned Aidan O'Brien's computer on and hit declare and Luxembourg's in there. So Adayar up against Luxembourg and Baybridge. It's a fascinating little contest, this. Yeah, it is. And it's it's you know, it's only only a small field, but all the qualities there. Um the weather's gonna play a huge part in that in this race, and that's why it's so hard doing it on Monday when the sun is shining with rain coming. If the rain doesn't come, it's a completely different race to what it is if the rain does materialise. And you know Baybridge was beaten in this race last year and just couldn't quite pick up on the very fast ground. And the same could easily be the case again 12 months on. I'm not sure Baybridge wants it rattling fast. We know that Adar doesn't want it rattling fast, which is a concern. Luxembourg, this will be the fastest ground that he's encountered if it stays on the quick side. Um, good, brave win at the Cara last time. He's beginning to fulfil some of the promised potential that the Ballad Oil team always kind of spoke of. But I, I like my Prospero. I think he's rock solid, loves fast ground. The mile was never going to play to his strengths in the lock-inch last time. Um, third in in um, in the champion's stakes here at um, Ascot back in October on, on good soft ground. Um, just held at the line. Um, beaten only half a length by Baybridge and Adair. Um Here we are back for more. 
Um, I've just got a feeling that my Prospero is is you know just just going to take the step up now that he's a four year old and that run would have put him spot on for this and he, he's just the value at four to one against these but it promises to be a real good race yeah I'm looking forward to that on Wednesday afternoon at five o'clock it is the impossible task of trying to find the winner of the Royal Hunt Cup over the straight mile 30 of them have been declared this there were loads more that didn't get in of course and they were hopeful this morning when the decks were made, but uh, in the end, just those top 30 got in. And I don't even know where you want to start. I mean, the King's got a horse here, Reach for the Moon. It's another one of those horses that keeps promising to win and finishes second three times in a row. Hasn't won since August 21, over seven furlongs at Sandown. Couldn't get any further apart from the Royal Hunt Cup from that. We've got loads of them in here that on the day could do it. I imagine the draw is going to be massively important. You've got to be where the pace is, haven't you? Yeah, always where the where, where the pace is, and you've got the two favourites, Perotto and Reach for the Moon, drawn in thirteen thirty two against the Standside Rail, and they just keep on thinking about when Real World won this all the way out on the far side on his own. <laughs> yeah. And everyone said you have to be drawn high, can't possibly win from, and then he went and Real World won it from all on his own over, over on the far side rail. So, um, I think you have to take this race for what it is and not get too tied into the draw um it can often pay to if you can have more than one dart to to mix up two or three from different sides of the draw um look at the prices i could give a definite squeak to intelligent um of jane chapel Himes, the horse who was second in this 12 months ago uh, effective on fast ground um stays well went on after being second in the race off a higher mark fun enough last year to finish a close-up third to Anne Martin in the John Smith Cup. And that form looks rock solid now. And it's kind of reappeared with a couple of runs <laughs> this season. <laughs> Hasn't set the world alight, but would have put it spot on. I can see Intelligent going well around 16, so he'll definitely be in Quinellas for me. Um, of the leading lot, Garley. Sybin through has got a great record in this race. Ocean Murphy rides. Um, not been seen since last October, but we saw him run really well on the back of a 662-day break last summer. So this mere, whatever it is, mere 235-day break, it's like it's, it's like a two-day break for him. Uh, I think Garley should be on his shortlist around 11-1, to 1, so he'd be my second Quinella dart. And the last one I put in would be Blue for You. Um uh, again, for the for the uh, a, a talented team, David Amara, Danny Tudhope rides. Uh, caught the eye, just seemed to kind of blow up a bit late on at York on fast ground, but it was a really good reappearance of 102. Been dropped a pound, um, can just go well with conditions in his favour. Uh, ran well in all the big mile handicaps last year. So I'll, I'll, I'll play those three in a Quinella. Intelligent, Blue for You and Garley. Um, that's how I'll play it. But wow, really tough race. You can make a case out for so many of these. You can have 10 darts and not hit the board. Yeah. And, and just on Gali, we mentioned on last week's podcast, Said Bin Saroor often overlooked. And he brought one back, didn't he, for a long break at York on the weekend to, to win a big race there as well. So it tipped up on this very podcast. Yes, <laughs> I know. You tipped him up and he won. And yeah. uh, we, we, we can't underestimate Said any longer. I mean, it's, bit ridiculous isn't it he's such you know a good trainer in his in his own right and 
living in the shadows of Charlie Appleby, I suppose, at the moment with all those group horses. But uh, you can certainly get one ready after a break, that is for sure. Uh, 5.35 is the Queen's Vars, a group two over a mile and three quarters. 14 looking to go to post. The unbeaten Gregory, who's two from two for the Gosdens, got Frankie on board. Another runner for the King and the Queen, Circle of Fire, Sir Michael Stout with Richard Kingscott. Chess piece, Simon and Ed Crisford won two of three of its races. Peking Opera for Aidan's Yard, son of uh, Galileo, comes over, won two of three of his runs with Ryan on board. And there's some other nice horses in the, the race, which, Bill, is the Queen's Vars. Yeah, good, good race here. And, you know, a, a warm favourite here will be Gregory for new connections for Frankie Vittori and John Gaston. Really impressive uh, at Goodwood last time. On good, good ground over a mile and three. That was in the old listed cocked hat states. Going to be bang there. The, I suppose the only negative is the price, really. Um, the kind of three or four to one's long gone. It's now seven to four in the place. First first big step up in um, in trip here. So that's a big question mark, too. So look, rock solid. Going to be bang there, but just probably not a bet for me at the prices. Got some decent horses opposing circle of fire chess piece peaking opera there's lots of good ones in here against um those you've got peaking opera who's the aiden o'brien run i mean he's he's had plenty of winners in this race in the past and this is a, a son of galileo who won nicely last time admittedly on on softest ground he'll he'll run well um circle of fires a, a usual sir michael stout um potential improver who kind of ran on late behind military order on the all weather last time and might well just step up again for the step up in trip. Um, but the one I liked enough was chess piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought chess piece was really interesting here. Um, he's, um, he's a runs for good He was, um, an impressive winner at York last time. He, um, just, I mean, he's just changed ownership. I, I, I literally think he's changed ownership as in today because, um, it hasn't been registered yet, but he, but he runs in the Godolphin colours, um, which is a, an interesting thing that um, the Christmas have a horse that running running for Godolphin because, um, yeah, he has. He changed he changed uh, ownership uh, today. Just seen that on the racing post site. Um, but Chesapeake is a horse I really like, so that would have been a, been a private sale. But he's a horse that loves fast ground. Um, the one disappointing run was at Newbury on soft ground. You could tell he didn't like it. Um, he was he won both his other starts around it. I think he'll improve for the step up in trip. And yeah, by by Nathaniel, I think he is really interesting. Um and seven to one is a fair each way shout in a wide open race. I'll go chess piece. The final race on Wednesday at Ascot is at ten past six. It's a listed race. Five furlong, Windsor Castle Stakes, big field here, over twenty in this one twenty six at the moment. We'll hear from Bill and his thoughts. And what looks a, looks a wide open affair uh, for these uh, two year olds. But before we do that, as promised, we're going to hear from Alice Haynes. Caught up with the trainer on the weekend. She runs Maximum Impact. She absolutely loves this horse. It's in the ammo racing colour. So Kevin Stodd is on board. The horse has won both of its races so far on heavy going at Leicester and then at the course at Ascot on the 3rd of May. And when I spoke to Alice, I was saying that. how well he's done in his career so far. He's two from two. He's done nothing wrong, you know. First time out, obviously he had to defy odds of of 
ground which probably wasn't really raceable and then obviously there was no stalls it was more in the end like a race course gallop and then the real test was then going to Ascot um, where he came up against Action Point which is obviously Artsy Watch and thought a lot of um, and still does and they both had experience and Archie Watch had the rail and he showed his tenacity and the penny really dropped sort of when he got his head in front 100 yards from the line and, and drew clear and, that, and that's what I thought was a really smart performance. Um, yeah, he's done nothing wrong. He's come on from that run. He's sort of switched on a bit. He's a, he's a very laid-back character. I think that's just Havana Graze, though. And mm-hmm. look, we don't know what it takes to... We don't know, other Yard or myself know what it takes to have a Royal Ascot winner or two-year-old. But uh, surely surely he's got to have a, a life chance and we'll know more on Wednesday. And after he won at Leicester, as you say, it was on heavy going and, and there were no stalls and he won by 12 lengths did, did that put sort of a little bit of pressure on you to sort of not know how good he could be well it was more where do we go next you could we could we went and we decided to go to the conditions race whereas you, we could have gone for another novice but he he still had to jump out the gates and it was a little bit like a first run again um of jumping he, he jumped smartly and um yeah he was it was pleasing to watch of course, you went to Ascot, as you say, and won in May. How important do you think that track form is for you, going to such a large meeting as Royal Ascot, to have the experience there on the track? Yeah, well, obviously, it's all going to depend on, on the draw, whether or not he'll get to come up that rail. Um, we won't know. Um, all I know is he'll he'll take preliminaries very well. I know he'll go around that paddock with everyone watching and uh, a lot of people there, and he. He won't care. He won't give a monkey's. Um, he, he's like that. He's, he's very. He's a very professional lad. Obviously, they're all two-year-olds in the race. Did the two-year-olds even grow during the, the training period? I know they always talk about from two to three, but have you seen a difference in maximum yes, impact you already? Know, he's gone and put on. He's gone and probably put sixteen kg on since his last run, and he's really physically. He's actually matured and strengthened, which which is good to see. He's not. He's not the biggest, but he's not the smallest of horses. Um, but he's definitely matured physically with that conditioning and, and conditioned through his training. Yeah. Obviously, Royal Ascot is always mightily tough, and all of the runners at the top of the oh, market. They're all going there, yeah, exactly. They're all going there. We, <laughs> yeah. All of them going there are thinking they've got a great chance. Um, how so, how do you know that he's so good? What does he do at home that really impresses you? Oh, but he just finds everything so easy. His work, he, he finds everything very easy. Um, he, you know, there's not many questions asked of him at home because he just he just finds everything quite easy. He has that lovely way of going. Um, sort of have his ears pricked the whole time, and and that's just him. He sort of eats, he sleeps, and he he um, enjoys his exercise. Trainer Alice Haynes talking about maximum impact, who's the the two year old in the other that they, they really like for this Windsor Castle. We've got to the likes of Barnwell Boyner for Charlie Johnson has won his race. Johannes Brahms for Aidan O'Brien, he's won his race as well. Fandom comes over again. Wesley Ward, though he's due to run earlier on in the week as well, I think. Bombay Bazaar, Richard Fahey, Sergeant Wilco, Alabama, Supersonic Man, and old Fusterlandio who's behind Bombay Bazaar just the other day is also going for this one. But uh, Alice, you know, you, you've got to wish her all the best, haven't you, for a young trainer like that, small yard, improving all the time and maximum impact, you know, one by 12 lengths. 
but it was a bit of a freaky race with no stalls and the ground was really heavy. And but then he came out again and won at Ascot, which, as I mentioned in the interview, course form can be vital, certainly for the youngsters. Yeah, this is a really good two-year-old of Alice Haynes' maximum impact. Um, she is a terrific trainer. I was lucky enough to go down there probably a month or so ago, and um, this horse has always been the apple of her of her eye. Super talented, very speedy, really good temperament. Um, look, it's great when you can get younger trainers that are trying to break into the big time that can go to these races, meetings like Ascot, and potentially have a big say, and she's placed this horse in the right race. Um, I think he's got an excellent chance. His temperament will help him enormously. There's lots of speed here, and the judging of pace is going to be be tough. Uh, Fandom holds an entry in the Coventry on Tuesday. It'd be difficult. Yeah, I suppose it depends on whether the rain arrives or not. Um, but if he lined up here, he'd be the pace on the stand side. Um, Barnwell boy, very speedy horse of Charlie Johnson that Oshie Murphy rode to win on debut. He rides again. He's drawn over the far side. Look, you can win your race and finish t- on one side and finish 10th. That's the frustrating thing about this, but you you, you can make a case out for so many. Uh, you even got an Aidan O'Brien, a really well-bred uh, runner in here just to, to make things... Uh, Johan Brahms comes in here, son of Sayuni, uh, who won over six on, on his double. He drops back in trip, going to be speedy. So it just makes life tough. Uh, I'm going to stick, stay loyal with maximum impact. I think seven to one each way, five places is rock solid. He's got his tongue tied down. I think he'll run really, really well. He will be the base of, of my kind of Quinellas. Um, and I will throw in Bombay Bazaar. Um, I really like the way... He got the job done last time. He brings more experience than plenty of others here. Richard Farhi's horse. Um, that was a, a a pretty hot race he won uh, at Beverly last time. Beat some. There's some big reputations there. Fustalandia of Richard Hannans and Room Service. He got the job done well to, with a penalty. Um, I think he'll run really well. Um, I'll put him in, and I put Barnwell Belt Boy in there as well because I just think he could be very good. So those three will be the the formation of a Quinella, but my main selection will be Alice's horse, Maximum Impact, and I hope he wins. So it looks a tough day to find some winners on Wednesday. Thanks to Bill for previewing all of the action. Let's now hear from the totes Jamie Hart. He works in the Whirlpool markets and is going to explain just how these markets work some of the selections and stats for the Wednesday afternoon at Royal Ascot and just how global the Whirlpool market is. It's a global event. The best thing about the Whirlpool is everybody from every corner of the world seems to be getting getting their money into it. There are actually 28 countries betting into the Whirlpool, the most significant ones for people to think about when they're looking at the runners. Uh, Hong Kong, uh, that's the biggest part of the pool. France, the PMU is also significant. Australia, we've got a good few Australian representatives this week, and the, and the USA, of course, the Wesley Wards, and we've got a couple of other trainers as well sending stuff over from the USA. Yeah. So Hong Kong, France, Australia, and USA. Think about those because they are all betting into the world pool. So if if you have a fancy that isn't one of the from one of those uh, countries, then the chances are you're better off betting it on the world pool. It's quite incredible, isn't it? That the, the percentages and the amount of money when we talk every week about Hong Kong on our podcast, but the whirlpool markets, what, what they do 
it's like for the the derby and and the oaks and what they've done this year and the lockings as well you know sort of those big races how much more money goes into the pool and how much more money goes back to racing in the end well it's a massive amount of money goes in i think we t- we take about 30 to, we we would expect to take about 30 million pounds a day uh, on a world pool day meeting um and and i think there there've been a number of uh, uh, numbers quoted about how much money goes back to the race course for, for each day. I think the Hong Kong Jockey Club Supremo, uh, he said that it's between 600 and 800,000 each day, but that was a good couple of years ago and it was a bit smaller a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's a real injection uh, of money back into British racing and it really helps, particularly the group ones, when we all know the prize money in France and Australia and Hong Kong and Japan is, is is better than it is in the UK. We are suffering a little bit competitively. People still love the the pomp and ceremony of Royal Ascot. We're not very competitive on prize money, and the Whirlpool really does help us on these big days to be competitive. Of course, it's always great to find winners. It's always tough to find winners, though, at a venue like Royal Ascot. But with the Whirlpool market, you don't have to actually find a winner to get a winning bet. Talk us about some of the bet types. They're called Quinella, they're swingers, the trifectas. Certainly, you know, the the swinger, you don't need to back the winner of the race to have a winning bet. No, I always like to think of the swinger as kind of an each-way forecast. It's kind of because it gives you extra play. So the swinger, uh, over in Hong Kong, they call it the Quinella place, but it is the swinger. We do have the swinger over here. It's never really been very popular here, but it's the most popular bet in Hong Kong. On the world pool, 20, well, 24.6% of the money is on the swinger and 24.3% is on the Quinella. So two bets that aren't really engaged with in the UK, a half of that total, that 30 million, half of it will be in, in the swinger and the Quinella. So the swinger is picking two horses to come in the first three. So it can be any two. You can be second and third, first and third, first and second. Basically, if you have two fancies, put them in a swinger and you get paid if they come in the first three. The Quinella, for those as old as me, they'll remember the tote used to do the dual forecast. Dual forecast, yes. It is basically the dual, the old dual forecast. It's it's one and two, but in any order. So don't don't kind of go to those markets last. They are half of the total pool, those two markets on their own. So if you're looking at a little bit of value, and this is something I do, quite often you'll look in the win, the win market, and you'll see something that you fancy, particularly a, a British horse, um, that might not be picked up internationally. It could be paying double the win price you know, eight minutes out. Now, of course, everybody with an internet connection can tell that it shouldn't be that price. So people mm-hmm. file in on the win book, on the win book, uh, and and it get, and it will still pay more, but it will be it won't be paying double. You don't, you know, you see these big prices just a little, a few minutes out, but they don't stay because of there's so much flow going in trying to correct it. But that's in the win market. Those horses in the Quinella and the Quinella place remain backed like a 20 to 1 chance if they're a 10 to 1 chance so the value remains in those pools so if you do see one that's overpaying that you like don't just back it to win do back it to win of course if you want to but also throw a little bit in there with the quinellas and the quinella pace because that's where the real value will remain are there certain jockeys that are well known in hong kong in particular where the whirlpool uh, is, is dominant like frankie the tory ryan moore will buick would they be jockeys that have been over bet maybe during the races and, and other jockeys like Kevin Stott, Danny Muscott, those kind of jockeys, maybe Paul Mulrennan, that they'll be wouldn't be so quite well known. You get better prices on those kind of horses. Well, that's it. We did some research exactly on this, Chris. Um, we put all of the people, we just took all the jockeys that had at, re- at least 10 runners. 
so that you know we had it so it's a decent enough um, sample um, it turned out the person who most often didn't overpay on the uh, on the on the whirlpool so if you backed Christoph Sumion you only got a bigger price on the whirlpool 50% of the time now he's the he's the worst so Christoph Sumion obviously we've got the PMU the French tote mm. the domestic uh, supporters will be on him but he, he's so internationally renowned isn't he that hong kong and uh, australia they've all seen christoph sumio second in on on the list of of horses of runners that won't necessarily will, will give you a less likely uh, overpay holly doyle is uh, second most she's she only overpays 54 percent of the time and one of the interesting ones in the top 10 for for not overpaying so much is kieran fallon of course, it's Kieran Fallon Jr. And we were scratching our heads, going, well, how, how come he's become so famous? But I, I genuinely think that some of these international whirlpool punters that are only really engaging with British racing on these days probably think it's still Kieran Fallon Sr. Quite incredible. It's really something to watch out for. Of course, Kevin Stott, now the jockey for Ammo Racing, they're going to have a ton of horses at Royal Ascot. That could be very interesting to follow him. How do we bet into the whirlpool? If we're at home, we're watching it, we're listening to it. How do we do it online? And if we go, we're lucky enough to be at Royal Ascot. How do we do it on track? Okay, well, it's, it's pretty simple. So um, I think most most companies uh, are plugged into the tote. So you should be able to, if you choose tote for your option in most of the most of the betting companies, then you will be betting straight into the world pool. If you want to get a, a bit better value than just just the standard uh, world pool price, if you come, if you do go into Tote Co UK, the the British tote. We're, we're the conduit into the whirlpool, so you don't have to go anywhere special. It's just on the normal tote site. Right. Um, and but with us, you get you get the best of either the whirlpool plus 10% or the SP, whichever's better. So there's, uh, there's enormous value in there. If, you're if you are sitting at home and you're betting on your, uh, on your mobile or you're betting on your laptop, then come to Tote UK or tote.ie if you're listening in Ireland, and you'll be betting straight into the whirlpool, but you'll be getting even bet better dividends than they're getting on course. If you're on course, then you get you just bet with bet with um, Ascot. It's branded up bet with Ascot, but um, they're tote tills behind there, and you get you bet straight into the whirlpool uh, at Ascot. Let's have a look at the racing on Wednesday, day two, Royal Ascot. The Prince of Wales Stakes is the the Group One there. We've got Luxembourg and Adiar in there, My Prospero, possibly Baybridge as well. Uh, Tom Marquand's been over to Hong Kong. And William Haggis has uh, been over to Hong Kong and Australia as well. So would my Prospero be a bit shorter on the whirlpool market than over in the UK? They're probably going to go the way of Aidan O'Brien with Luxembourg as favourite. Yeah, I think I think I think they'll make Luxembourg a good favourite here. Um, when there's one, when when the Irish get behind one, the rest of the world tends to follow. Um, massively influential. I think he'll certainly be interviewed on on. Um, Hong Kong TV. This is something you do have to take into account. Um, the, also with the with um, some of the owners as well. There are quite a few races with the Hong Kong based owners. You know mm -hmm. they will be interviewed on TV. And just like in the UK, I used to, before I was with the tote, I was a bookie. As soon as any trainer is interviewed on the on the TV, you can see that the bet ticker just lights up with the horse that they're talking about. And it's just the same in Hong Kong. So do do keep a lookout for that. But um, in the Prince of Wales, I think you know. Uh, again, you're you're normally looking for something that's that's run fairly recently. I think 32 days, eight out of the last 12 had run in the last 32 days. That brings my Prospero and Luxembourg into it at AR a little way. Um, 
11 out of 12 of the last winners, 11 out of 12 were in the top three in the betting. So I'm not looking far beyond. I think for the value, I'm going to stick with Adayar. Um, it hasn't, he, he missed the race, didn't he? It was because it, it wasn't on. But uh, Adayar to beat Luxembourg for me. Thanks, Jamie. That's Jamie Hart from the Tote talking about Whirlpool available throughout Royal Ascot 2023. And you can do that online or on course if you're lucky enough to go to Royal Ascot this year. Well, that's all from us for today. We'll be back again tomorrow as we look ahead to Thursday's racing at Royal Ascot in our daily podcast for the Royal Meeting this week. And don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and Bill Esdale's horse racing tips. And you can follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music or Stitcher to make sure that you get the latest episodes as soon as they're released.